The Lagan Forest Initiative, which started in the early 1990s, pioneered the way for community forestry in Scotland. This case highlights the opportunities and challenges of encouraging community participation in social and economic development. They've wanted for the last maybe 10 years or more to acquire parts of the forest so they could expand you know, local businesses and the use of the forest for the community. They weren't able to buy the whole forest because it's just too big a project for the local community to handle. The community capacity wasn't there. When we started, it was against, in a climate, a political climate, which completely ignored this as an option. Um, basically, the management, forestry management was for the professionals exclusively, and we were, su we were fringe lunatics to be considering that we could in any way develop uh, ideas in relation to the management of the forest. It simply wasn't an accepted notion. The community of Lagan had identified the Strathmashie Forest, which is owned by the Forestry Commission, as a potential source of employment if managed and worked by local people. And they set out to take it into community ownership. To do so, they needed to gain support from the Forestry Commission and other state institutions. In terms of developing the vision, it was very much a question of late-night whiskey-fueled sessions with the group of people that were interested enough to do it. We also had open sessions with the village. That evolved into more sort of policy and strategic elements, such as how we go about mounting a campaign, how we go about attracting um, money, how we go about attracting support. And, uh, but it originally came from this feeling that somehow we as a community had a sense of identity which enabled us to see things which were not, was, was not being permitted by the powers that be. At the beginning, the vision of the First Commission, the vision of the local community in Lagan were totally different in that the, the vision of the community was, well, there's a forest resource there, we'll buy that, we'll manage it, we'll get jobs out of it, and kind of, we can manage this forest. And, and kind of the vision of the Forest Commission was, well, we're the foresters, we know how to manage this forest, kind of, we'll continue to manage it from that point of view. And so we had, they're not diametrically opposed, but they weren't, didn't sit particularly comfortably with one another. It was ultimately a political decision. It was down through the Secretary of State, at the time, uh, Michael Forsyth, through, and through the Scottish, and who basically gave instructions to deal with us, to work something out, to make it happen. And it's always well worth remembering when, when you know, one's dealing with agencies and that, that actually there are political masters who make decisions. The political decision to deal with Lagan led to discussions with the Forestry Commission and ultimately to a partnership agreement to manage the forest, the first of its kind in Scotland. Local support for the project was built through a series of community meetings and workshops. A range of tools was used to help identify interests and future options for community forest development. We used um, PRA on two occasions. It was particularly useful in maintaining community involvement. As you begin to go through the, the ways and means, the mechanics of mounting, inaugurating and designing a project like this, people lose interest. 
you know, where are we going? What have you achieved? What the PRA did was reinstate that sense of general involvement. If you don't pull in that wide-based interest, you're not going to go forward with your own integrity as a community, and you're going to leave half the community behind you who, f who feel disenfranchised. The initial five-year partnership agreement between Lagan Forest Trust and the Forestry Commission was based essentially on the original aims of creating labour-intensive forest jobs for local people using chainsaws, or hand-cutting as it's known. Forestry at the time was going through a period of rapid technological change, and it soon became apparent that hand-cutting was not sustainable. I went out into the forest and I met with some of the cutters there on site and I asked them about how they saw the future of the, of the forest. Up until that point, um, Lagan had fiercely clung on to hand cutting uh, as a way of creating jobs, but it became clear that fewer and fewer Lagan people were involved in that forest cutting. This came as no surprise to the Forestry Commission. I suppose if you spoke to some of the more um, unbelieving members of the Forest Commission staff at the early said, well, it'll get to that anyway. But it was, it was a case of community learning in that kind of they believed that they had to get jobs and, and perhaps the only way was to let them kind of learn, community learn that the hard way, kind of to try it and see that it didn't work. And Forest Commission, I think, were, were sensible enough to say, well, yeah, that, we have to go through that process, otherwise uh, people won't learn. When we started... It was the cutters that were requiring the work. These days, you've, there are very few men with chainsaws. Things have changed. At around the time that the Lagan Forest Trust began to realise that the Forestry Management Agreement was not delivering the anticipated employment benefits, the Forestry Commission had plans for a large investment in mountain biking, which had been frustrated elsewhere due to environmental concerns. They offered this to Lagan. Having researched the options and consulted the community once more, the Lagan Forest Trust decided to go ahead with plans for a mountain bike centre in partnership with the Forestry Commission. We realised that skills were going to be necessary in terms of it and we talked with the Forest Trust and the Forestry Company and said, well, what is the process? And first of all, what we did was we advertised and we asked who might like to do this work. Now, one of the tricky things was that we were looking for a skills base that covered both uh, promoting and developing mountain biking. We're also looking for a skills base that could deliver in terms of catering and kind of and could provide a, a rounded product. And they are quite different skills. And we probably had quite a good offer on the catering locally, but we had nobody kind of locally that was going to deliver in relation to the mountain biking. And we had one proposal that kind of was very strong on the mountain biking and the marketing. The result was Wolf Tracks Mountain Biking Centre, run by Basecamp MTB, 
a new business started by a couple from further south in Scotland who'd put in the winning bid. This development was a turning point for Lagan in several ways. It was hoped the new facility would provide local jobs in a range of sectors by increasing visitors to the area. Though many welcomed Wolf Tracks as a new opportunity for the community, some existing catering businesses saw it as direct competition and a threat to their livelihoods. Tensions between community and private interests came to the fore. I don't remember a lot of conflict about the Wolf Tracks idea for Lagan. Uh, in fact, a lot of people were, were excited about it. Some people didn't really care very much about it. Um, the conflict came more from what actually ended up being at Wolf Tracks and who ran it. Some people think you should develop the community resource because it is a community resource. It's for the benefit of everyone and private business somehow is in some way does not have the same status. Other people think that the private business should be considered as part of the overall community structure, commercial structure, and somehow or other has to be accommodated within the whole, even if it's not strictly a part of the forest development. The conflict over wolf tracks can be explained by a perceived clash of interests between individuals in the community, and so could potentially be resolved. It was a desire to prevent such conflict that saw some wishing for more extensive and continued consultation. This whole thing about consultation is interesting, but as I say, looking through the archives, there were lots of questionnaires and events and all these ideas. The community kept on putting forward all these ideas. Um, and I suppose my vision was to move the ideas from being on paper to actually something happening on the ground. Um, but people have got short memories, so there was obviously all that consultation in, in the past and we held various meetings and events and talked to people. Um, but then when we put something forward uh, for a decision, people say, oh, nobody ever consulted me about that. <laughs> Very frustrating. I believe we're consulted. I have to say, I feel that a lot of the decisions are made before we're consulted, but we're still being consulted to go through the process. So I, I'm not 100% confident that we're being listened to. There are a few locals, I suppose, who are quite vocal, but perhaps the majority just go along with what's going on. With the Forestry Commission, they do listen to what we say, you know, and take on board, and, well, the partnership as the whole of life is just one big compromise, you know, you don't always get what you want, but if you get some of it then, yeah, that's a benefit. There's a huge load on a voluntary committee, and remember, all the local organisers are volunteers, always have been. Very, very occasionally do you have some project-based money, but that's the, the general running of the thing, year in, year out, is without funding. And it's very difficult when you're trying to meet the requirements of management, very difficult to maintain, I would say, all those elements of which are about community involvement, participation, emotional elements, you know, you get sucked into the other stuff and time is limited. More than a decade after the initiative for community ownership of the forest started, 
The idea of owning some forest is firmly back on the agenda. This time the burden on the volunteer managers has been eased a little by a community animateur grant from the community land unit to help develop a proposal to buy some small parcels of land from the Forestry Commission. One of these will be as a permanent site for wolf tracks and the forest offices, and others will include forest-based businesses and eventually, it's hoped, some low-cost eco-housing. It goes back really to about 1997 when the whole forestry initiative was created um, in Lagan. Um, so I think a, a lot of what's now being uh, driven through are really ideas that were developed back then. Um, but more recently, in 2002-2003, a lot of focus groups, if you like, um, got together to determine what would be best suited, if you like, for uh, this particular forest. Um, so a fair bit of community consultation, um, a lot of um, received wisdom from uh, Forestry Commission uh, as well as from other bodies in terms of what could be done. We, we have, I mean, just going to talk about the legal stuff that we have to do, is we have, you know, preconditions written into the undertaking you have to go through, you know, the yeah. legal, legal papers you have to sign. Saying One of these bodies is the Community Land Unit, which is at the heart of the bid to own some forest. <laughs> the unit has funding application processes that the Lagan Forest Trust has to engage with. A balance between the interests of funders and the needs of the community has to be struck. Right. Um, because it's through fine homes, they presumably took the, the burden of that. We look at economic, social and environmental benefits of every project we do, but they're not necessarily the, the decision-making factors in terms of how we would look at a project. Um, a lot of the projects have a big social impact or a big potential social impact, but it's very difficult to evaluate that numerically. It's, it's very much been in contact with the community at an early stage, getting to know the community really well and whether they have the capacity to handle a project. We've got it down to 81. The consultation we've done is more related to the application in, in the sense of uh, making sure that what we want to do fits with the funding. I mean, it's so often that you have to uh, adapt what you want to do to meet, to meet the funders' requirements. So um, I think from that point of view, uh, it only really exists on how the application should be best framed and how you manage what sort of business plan is wanted. In terms of consultation, uh, sort of public consultation, um, there hasn't been a lot at the moment. Um, We've produced newsletters, we've produced articles in the local uh, magazine, the community magazine, to keep the community as up-to-date as we can. But I think in the last three or four months, things have moved rather rapidly and uh, there's not always a great opportunity to get back and reconsult. Leave it off the bat. Hopefully in CLU we, we are very flexible about the, the way we handle communities' approaches uh, and, and try and steer them through that minefield of what, what can be uh, tick boxes and, and uh, forms for, for each different agency are different because we have different um, criteria in which we will fund. My own personal opinion would be we should move towards a white sheet approach where we just give, take a community's idea, uh, get them to write it down without any conditions.
and that we make the decisions whether it's appropriate for us to fund it rather than being prescriptive about what information we want and what their outcome should be and even how much money they want to get in a grant. Whatever the eventual outcome of Lagan's initiative, the experience to date certainly raises questions about how to encourage participation and consultation in development planning, development as a political process, and the management of competing interests and expectations. From the place we started, it's a uh a huge success. The challenges are to develop in a way that does include all the, all the interests of the community and that the community feels a part of, and also to make sure that those developments are, are managed. It's, it's, if, if we're talking about in-house development for the Forest Trust, boy oh boy do you need to be hot on the management. How do you work that out? If you in some way franchise it or lease it or whatever, there are dangers that way, but you still have to be careful that the thing does not you know, develop without that community um, accountability. Um, real challenges, but we always knew there would be. So it's, it's, it's exciting. Major, major uh, challenges and major, major adventures ahead. <laughs>